You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. Today we're talking about helping children learn English if you're a parent. Hello there, welcome to English with Monty. We're on to episode 17 today and I've got a very good friend of mine from my time when I lived in Bologna, my friend Dana, who's originally from Germany, but she's lived in Italy for so long now, maybe you would consider yourself more Italian. Is that right? Well, welcome to the show, first of all. Yeah, thank you. Hi, John. A mixture, European. European. Definitely. Good answer. I like that answer. I guess today the idea, I mean, this this was your idea really, wasn't it? I think it was a very nice idea. The idea was to talk about children or, or youngsters learning English and how they would go about that and how you would go about that as a parent. Is that right? Yes, especially in the context where you use it at home as well as a non-native speaker. Mm. Because many people, at least here in Italy, They have English at school, but I don't think there are many families who would use it at home or who just enjoy talking in another language. But for me, it's different because we decided bilingual upbringing since my daughter was born. And for me, it's natural to speak more than one language at home in any way for so many years. So from the moment that she had to learn English, which is a language that I love a lot, It came quite natural to do the same at home with my daughter that I do with German. You just start talking in the language and use simple words first or indicate something like things on the table and you say how it's called, but speaking all the time in the language. Okay, sure. Your daughter, so Maria, is eight years old. Is that right? Yes, that's right. She's native speaker, Italian native speaker. Mm -hmm. um, Mostly because you see, you say mother tongue. So mother, her mother tongue would be German because I'm the mother. But I think for what I see, the context is the thing that has most impression on a child. Mm -hmm. So since we live in Italy and the first language is Italian, even though when the, her first year of her life, She was most of the time with me, and obviously, I spoke German a lot. Okay, sure. At home, you would speak Italian between you, because also your partner as well, he's Italian, isn't he? Yes. So when we are all together, we speak Italian. Then when I'm alone with my daughter, I speak German. Mm -hmm. I used to, at least. It was a lot more natural before the lockdown started, mm -hmm. uh, because I traveled a lot to Germany, because I worked there as well. I have my family there and it got into an automatism, which got interrupted somehow. But then at the same point, my daughter being seven by then, it was a useful step to improve English and to do more on English. And then again, English is a language that permits everyone in the family to be included because otherwise you always have someone being cut off. I mean, not me, but my partner or my mother, someone doesn't get it. English is an effective way to get out of that. Right now I'm speaking more only Italian and then from time to time we do English. When your mother is around in particular, then you would all speak English 
together and then also Maria would join in is that right she can't until now but I think soon we will arrive to that I hopefully mm-hmm. because that's the point when my mother is around when we're all together English is the option mm-hmm. and I think this is probably true of a lot of families I mean obviously it depends on where you live certainly that's interesting because obviously you live in Italy and your daughter grew up in Italy or is growing up in Italy often when you have a couple and both people are not the same nationality or they're different nationalities. This is one of the reasons why it happens, doesn't it? Usually, I guess, English is the default language almost, isn't it? Yes, and we have many mixed families now. For instance, the Erasmus program kept on for more than 30 years and couples that got together from different European countries have got children now and it may be something round about one million children who have a mixed European background. It's minority, but it's a phenomenon that surely is natural when you think that we start sticking together more and more in Europe. You usually have the children becoming bilingual, but not the families. And to close that gap, I guess English is mostly the option. Yeah, sure. You were telling me briefly the other day about your experience with English. As a child... I seem to remember you saying you've learned more of an American English or you had an American teacher, is that right? Yes. I didn't notice myself that I was taking on his accent until my mom told me. She was very interested as well. She tried to help me to learn English. We did a bit of the exercises together and then I would read out and she tried to talk to me because she enjoys it as well. It was her then one time that she said, now you cannot say fast, it's fast. And I didn't notice the change, obviously. That was in the third year that I learned English. It's unconscious. And it's very easy to catch up the way someone is talking. The more natural the person is who is talking, the easier it gets to catch up that kind of talking, even in an unconscious way. Mm -hmm. And having native American speaker meant for me that it automatically got into the way that I was talking. And that was the first moment that she said, no, you cannot say that. It's not fast. That was the first moment that I got conscious of how I sound. Sure. How old would you say you were at that point? The eighth grade, so 13. 13. Okay, yes. Maybe when you were becoming a teenager, you were a bit more conscious. Also as well, I mean, it's an interesting one in terms of pronunciation because... Where I'm from, in the Midlands, in the center of England and the north of England, you would say fast. You wouldn't say fast. Obviously, there's variations in the UK as well. The Queen, for example, would say fast. The idea of Thames Estuary English is in the area of the Thames, where it's considered supposedly the purest form of English. I think, to some extent, that's a bit of an old-fashioned idea, I guess. Purists will still think about that idea, of course. Obviously, you have different words. I would say castle, and then you can say castle or bath and bath and things like that. But that's the thing. I mean, obviously, I'm an English native speaker. I'm from England, but I would still say fast, just as you do. To me, there's no right or wrong answer to this question. It's a lot about the perception and how someone is brought up. As you said, maybe that's something more of an old-fashioned way or something that we get over with the times. But I think... In Germany, for instance, you always talk about the Oxford English. So if what you meant with Thames English 
or London English, maybe more or less, like the Queen speaks mm. in Germany would be called the Oxford English. And so mm -hmm. basically that's the reference. That's potentially the aim of people to sound like that. Yeah, or at least it was like that. Yeah, sure. In my case, as soon as you have a native speaker, as I said, I think that counts more than anything else. So for me already, it was different. Mm. And I never tried to cling to that idea because it would be a bit impossible. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me because, as I said with my daughter as well, the surrounding is the most important thing. The surrounding here is Italy. Then Italian will be the first language, even if the mother tongue is German. And that's it. I cannot pretend to speak Oxford English with an American native speaker. Because you're always influenced by what's around you, aren't you? Yes. I mean, that's a good thing about it as well. That's the more human thing about it, right? You catch on what surrounds you. Very much so. And I think having a mixture is not a bad thing. And it's also nice to have a mixture of accents. I was thinking about the idea of when potentially you can get a fixed accent. The only time I've ever really experienced it in quite a strong way is when I went to Denmark maybe 10 or so years ago. And I remember going to a party there and I was speaking to these two women and basically we were just talking in general and I thought they were American. I was like, oh yeah, so where are you from in the States? And they were like, oh no, we're, we're not from the States, we're Danish. And I was like, oh really? And they were like, yeah, we're, we're both Danish. But you sound like an wow. American. This is the only time I've really truly experienced this. And they were like, oh no, well, we probably have American accents because we grew up with American TV and we don't have dubbing. We just have subtitles at the bottom of the screen. So everything is in the original language. And by the sounds of it, from what they said, all of their influence when they were growing up was from American TV. That might have been in the 80s or something like that. But that's the only time I've really experienced foreigners sounding like a native speaker when they're obviously not a native speaker. Wow. And they never went there. I don't seem to remember asking them that question, but I don't think so. No, I think they just literally learned their American accent from watching TV. But which... it makes sense. I mean, I can connect to that. And then I was looking more into it and thinking about the idea of the kind of age group where that could happen. And they were saying that only really up to the age of eight or nine, can you really have genuinely native accent if you're not a native speaker so to speak say for example maria wants to sound like the queen for example silly example <laughs> but she wants to sound like oxford english then because of her age she, she only really has now to sound like that obviously going forward her accent will be good and probably quite neutral or sound a certain way it will be very difficult for it to sound exactly like a native speaker. Yes. From now on, I will show her a lot of speeches by the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the idea. <laughs> Maybe. And then she'd get really bored and be like, why, 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 why should Let's... I learn English? So it could be counterproductive. Your choice. That's what makes the choices more limited. Maybe it will not be the Queen then. <laughs> Maybe Peppa Pig. That could be a good one, right? Because I would have to make the choice between Peppa Pig and Sesame Street. I remember you telling me you were a bit of a fan of Sesame Street. Definitely. <laughs> you told me I as did... well, Germans really love 
Sesame Street, right? A lot we, of Germans we, in your age group grew up with Sesame Street. Absolutely, yes. With a German version of it, obviously. Cookie Monster and Ernie and Birds, big heroes in Germany. I think it's similar as in the American version, you have big stars, like singers, for instance, singing along with the monsters on the show. Like a bit of cultural deal, even over the age of five or six, you know, you can connect to that because it's somehow connected to the cultural business. Like, as I said, singers or actors performing there. At least it was like that when I was little. And it's very much so in the US. You would have watched that, though, in German rather than in English. Is that right? When I was little, yes. Yeah. It was on TV, okay. so you didn't have any choice. Mm. It was the German version, and that's how I started my ABC, one to three. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> With Sesame sure. Street, absolutely. I think something like Sesame Street is very useful, obviously, because it has music and it's a lot of fun. Anything like that with catchy rhythms and catchy tunes are always a good way of learning for children, which is probably an obvious thing to say, really. But just in case, as a parent, you're not really sure out there what to do, I think music and rhymes doing phrases that are like whole phrases within the music i think is a very good way of children learning without them being necessarily too conscious about it often they're just having fun that's so, it and it yeah. works very well i have to say because now we started a bit of both well that's the point peppa mm -hmm. pig as well as sesame street mm -hmm. and now lately it's more sesame street maybe a bit because of me <laughs> because of my memories always your, great to have your, childhood memories because of your back. obsession obsession um, because uh. of my obsession yes <laughs> because of my love for cookies yeah you love the cookie monster that's why your accent um, is very similar to the cookie monster <laughs> he's not even that good example because it's not even an accent an american accent it's just a thing of its own it is really isn't it yeah it, it's it's my accent he sounds exactly like you. I, in fact, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it works great. I'm really happy about that, to see how these songs, because you sing them along and then dancing, clapping along, whatever, and it works. So, Maria, is she there? Would she like to sing a song for the listeners? You want to say hi? Hi! Do you want to sing a song? Yes. The Sesame Street song? Okay. Fine. A is for Abby, B is for Bert, C is for Cookie Monster, D for Dessert, Ham Yum Yum, A is for Emma, F is for Frogger. When you're teaching, I mean, I guess you're not really teaching, are you? You're more just using the language. Is that right? Right. Yes. Like being at home. Because from school, Maria brings some homework. And the first two years, well, she started in first class, so when she was six, and the first two years, it was really always the same stuff. The colors and the numbers from one to ten and then all over again. Especially because then the teachers were switching as well and not native speakers. A bit like that. But now yeah. she's a bit older and she has a more stable teacher right now. And things are getting a bit more complex. For instance, she is talking about furniture. So she has a vocabulary for furniture. And then we just make a game and I say, oh, please go to the door or uh, go to the window. And so it becomes a game and even with movement. And this is really funny. She likes that. Go to the table or are then more complex. Please put a glass on the table. Mm -hmm. Now take the glass and put it in the fridge and so on. Mm -hmm. 
like a game, yes. I, I try to use the, the vocabulary that she brings home from school and make games. Or when we're sitting at the table at dinner, I say, pass me the salt or things like that. So then I see immediately, does she understand me? And then sometimes she doesn't. But at the beginning, maybe she was a bit frustrated about it. But I got her used to it. If you, if you don't get it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. We repeat it. And then I make really little translation. Usually I say, okay, so this was too much. And then next time I do something easier. You know? These are like games. And then the next step, yes, is singing. Because the good thing about the songs is that you can always repeat it. We wrote down some songs as well. But mostly it's just because you repeat them. And they're so beautiful with the monsters. <laughs> Not says in the street. <laughs> You watch it a bit on TV and then you repeat it. And that's a good thing about it because these fragments of alphabet, of vocabulary, of movement got stick to the mind. Very much so. And I think playing games and doing songs are great ways of reinforcing and remembering these things. They would learn by understanding rather than actually speaking themselves. So I guess that's obviously the first stage, isn't it? Learn by understanding. Absolutely. And I remember that because I learned Italian only by listening. I mm. knew Spanish mm-hmm. and then I got in an Italian surrounding while I was in Spain. And it's similar. So you don't get completely frustrated. You're not completely cut off. But I didn't have to tell people always, yeah, please remember, I don't understand. I'm not Italian. Please speak Spanish. After some time, they just forgot about it, that I'm not Italian. And, and I started speaking Italian again. That was it. It was like for two months or something. I was only listening. I would understand it then perfectly after a while. Yeah. But I was not speaking. And as usual, it was the visit of someone from Italy who, who forced me to speak for the first time. So that was really funny. <laughs> That's it. I mean, usually if you're an adult, you don't remember. You don't learn several languages. You don't have the occasion to go again through that process. But it's beautiful and very natural. It is, isn't it? And I think... In terms of learning a language, ideally, that's the way of doing it. Because I suppose when children get to their teenage years or they they enter puberty more accurately is that they become more self-conscious and also they maybe follow more what society is showing them. So they're more likely to get involved in more traditional learning in the sense of looking at grammar rather than just trying to pick it up in general because of being more self-conscious. Also, that's another element is before they hit puberty, it's the ideal time to get them to speak in the way that is very normal and how you would have learned it as a very young child. So arguably the best way of doing it because you're not so self-conscious and you're not learning in a very regimented way. I wouldn't consider myself a very extroverted person. I'm not afraid to get some word wrong in a new language, I always just try to put together the words and express myself somehow. Sure. And actually it works. I don't know why is that. Maybe there was one important recommendation that my English teacher told me. And he said, if you learn the language, don't make a translation. Don't prepare the phrase and make a translation because it won't work. The languages are not the same. You have to start thinking in that language. And then it becomes your language and then it becomes easily to speak it, maybe to connect to it more naturally. And that was really important because English was the first language after German that I learned. 
this kind of recommendation, I kept that on with the other languages as well. And it's great for me. That's ideally how you should approach languages, isn't it? I learned Italian when I was, I started when I was about 25, I guess. I got to the point of thinking in the language, of course, but also as well, I always thought that when you can translate, it's a good idea to do it because it helps you, right? There are certain situations where you can do a direct translation. So why not do that? Which is possibly a a different way of looking at it. Not necessarily being, oh, yes, you just must only think in that language, but being a little bit flexible. That's how I felt about it anyway. That's the thing. It's different for everybody. And also when you learn it from a young age and you get good language skills at a young age, I think it's much, much easier to think in the language because it's normal to do that. Or to switch language, yes. You're used yeah. to having more than one language in your head, so somehow mm. having it as part of your own. At Monty, we offer English classes online, so you can join wherever you are. We offer individual lessons or English exam preparation. For first-timers in a group class, it's only £2. Visit our website at montyenglish.co.uk to buy this ticket or book any other package now. Do you do any performance checks? That sounds a bit too official. To say to Maria, oh yeah, can you count up to 50 or something like that? Do you give her small goals? That comes along with the homework because she has English at school. Mm -hmm. But the only thing is, I think if you have a language only at school and you just do your vocabulary and that's it, it doesn't become easily stuck in your mind or it doesn't become part of you. That's why I do these other games and because I enjoy it (laughs) and because it's fun for her as well, as I said, with the music and everything. But it comes along with the homework usually because she has it at school. She brings home the homework and maybe that is exactly counting to 50 or whatever. Now we are already to the 100, I think, or 1,000 nearly. Counting to 1,000 must take long. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Are you bored this afternoon? You know what? Just count to 1,000 in English. And next, we're going to count to a million. Right. (laughs) Once you're finished, (laughs) keep on. You see, for instance, now she has to do some sports exercises as well. And you have to count always, you know, you have to hold a position and count to 10. We go, okay, so the first time we count to 10 and in Italian. Now, next time, let's do English, you know, or German or Spanish. Because Spanish as yeah, well. Until 10, yes, she knows already to 10, yes. That's impressive. It always comes just living and then the game comes along out of the situation, no? That's it. I think any time they're having fun is, is a good moment. that really helps if they've got in mind at least two languages in their head i don't know even if maria doesn't learn spanish really well when she's younger the fact that she'll have english italian and german will mean that it's very easy for her to learn spanish in the future i think especially because the similarities with italian it always gets easier every new language as far as i'm concerned every new language becomes easier because you have the idea of a grammar grid and just adopt it from one language to another or the roots are similar european languages more or less well i mean not everyone but they have huge roots like the german or the latin roots mm. so if they're from the same language group it makes it a lot easier doesn't it yes that's it yeah i wanted to ask you 
how you in the UK look on the accents of a native speaker. Are there situations? How do you look on it? How do you look or how do you use American TV and what do you think about it when it comes to education? Because when it comes to education, you always want to have the best <laughs> or sure. something you can connect to. Yeah, you want something that is part of you or that you can connect to. How do you use the American TV in the UK? I don't know whether this would be true or not, but I would argue that we probably have, certainly when you're children, less of American TV in some ways. But we obviously wouldn't change the way it sounds. It would be in American English because there's no real difference. But I would argue that perhaps when I was growing up, there was maybe a quarter or a third of programs would have been American English. And then the majority would have been British English. Do you remember Sesame Street? When Sesame Street came to the UK, I was probably a bit too old for it. I'm showing my age now. Oh, such um, a shame. I know it is a shame, isn't it? But I think certainly younger kids may have been more influenced by Sesame Street than I was. I remember seeing things like Disney's DuckTales. We would have Disney, of course. Things like Thundercats, which was an American show, I think. For the most part, we would have British TV, I guess. We have quite a lot of it. I suppose culturally, it's quite normal to have that. I don't really know whether there's a conscious effort for people to create that because of language. I, I think possibly it's more about culture than language because of children being able to relate to it much more. I always seem to remember it was only really cartoons we had in American English. More educational things for the most part would have been British English. It was more about not necessarily the way you pronounce things entirely, I think it was a cultural element to kind of reflect on kids or say to children this is our culture and this is how we do things of course we are exposed to american english quite a lot really british people would be very familiar with all american phrases i mean there's probably very few american phrases we don't know just because we do get american tv arguably in america they don't have the same exposure maybe that's changed over the last 10 or so years because British English has become a bit trendier and, and been a bit more influential in the United mm -hmm. States. Even so, I would argue a lot of Americans wouldn't know the differences, the small differences, like we say lift, they would say elevator, for example, or a tap, and they say faucet, things like that. Or a yeah. cookie and a biscuit. <laughs> you know, I guess Americans would probably say biscuit as well on some level. I'm not really sure. Okay. Not um, a monster level. Not on a monster level, no. <laughs> but, um, but that's my level, so I will never discover, I guess. The thing is, you'll be disappointed to know we don't have a biscuit monster in the UK. Doesn't yes. sound as good, though, does it? You have biscuit monster. Biscuit. Oh, takes same. too much time. You have to eat. It's, you have exactly. to eat them, not talk about them. <laughs> exactly. It's too much. I mean, of course, there is influence. You're never going to get the influence to the point that a child is going to be speaking in American English. On some level, there seems to be more influence culturally in a lot of European countries from America than there is in the UK. Okay. Perhaps some people are a bit surprised about that. In a lot of ways, American culture seems to filter much more into European life than it does in the UK. And I think that's partly because of language, because of language, we can make more of an informed choice because we can understand 
better what to reject or what we don't necessarily like or don't necessarily want and we are very culturally different from the americans therefore that's another element and you have a very strong identity i guess cultural identity it's about the market as well the media market isn't it because the us is producing far more maybe and then it just gets to the european market it's not always translated yes obviously the english language creates a dominance doesn't it in terms of media and exposure for different countries just because of the number of people who are speaking the language and in terms of culturally maybe americans are, are much better at promoting what they do and, and spreading what they do and and obviously politically there's a reason for them to have a lot more influence in a lot of cases i think that filters through obviously with somewhere like italy during the cold war the united states was quite heavily involved to some extent to make sure that italy didn't become a communist country and i think that has an influence in some ways which obviously in britain we would never have had that influence because we weren't in the same position i mean i think certainly in europe because of what happened with the soviet union i think that is one of the reasons why there is quite a strong influence from american culture yeah but germany was divided so there was the british part of it as well yeah sure You grew up in the British part. I think it, was it would kind be the of... American. Like in Bonn, at least. I don't know whether there are these huge American structures because it was the capital then. But really like huge, huge American settlings, really. Quite close to where I lived before. Mm-hmm. And there were even American markets with, you know, peanut butter and peanut butter cups and Oreos, which nowadays you can buy quite easily. Everywhere, but you couldn't by the time that I was a teenager. The Berlin Wall fell when I was six. Kept so on so long in the heads, you know. Like this wall is in the heads of people for all my childhood nearly, you know. I remember the moment that it, the TV show, I remember that so good because my grandma said, you have always to remember this moment. And I was like, oh cool, what's going on? We're at home. There's my mom, there's my grandmother and the TV is on. Great moment. Why should I remember that? <laughs> But that's good. It's nice. Okay, so the TV is on. Great moment okay. to remember. <laughs> yes, that's what a child sees in all the stuff. It's more inside Germany. You know, you didn't have teachers who would tell you something about the East because no one had been there for 40 years and stuff. And so it was not present in the minds. It took really a long time before it became more mixed. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then. So you kind of grew up with the idea of there still being a difference between East and West when you were a child, but obviously things were changing. Yeah, very much so, yes, for everyone. And then, again, because of the way people talked, it was such a huge difference in speaking. So when people came, you just could hear immediately. Obviously, people from the other side, they didn't realize how different they would sound, maybe, because for them it was just normal. Mm-hmm. That was really years of getting to know each other. It's kind of very much part of the way you grew up. There are moments that you have the doubt. So how shall I pronounce something? Someone's asking. My daughter maybe asks me, so how is that pronounced? Then you have to give an answer. Mm-hmm. There we are once again. How do I pronounce it? So I just say something that comes out of my mind, like how I would pronounce it. If I have to decide, shall I say... I'm more influenced by American culture, so I keep to that. 
maybe that's the answer more or less that I gave to myself until now. Or do I try to stick to something that is the reference? So there's the question. If I have to stick to something that's a reference, should that still be Oxford English? Because it's just, I don't know, because it's the original one, right? English comes from England. I have to look more on the whole of it, what makes my English or what makes my influence, my context. And then I cling to that. I mean, obviously, you're going to feel most comfortable with what you were taught and how you did it, because those things will be in your mind. It might be worth saying to Maria that that's, and you probably already have done this, but that's my background. I learned more of an American English. The first things that will come to my mind are these things. What might be a good exercise is using something like word reference or even Google Translate and things like that, where you can see the pronunciation and you can obviously listen to it together and that Mm. can can be a good thing to do in a way it's not only maria learning certain pronunciations but it's also you refreshing yourself as well or getting an idea of how it can be different maybe it's a good idea for her to choose in some way what she prefers whether she would actively do that i don't know it's worth trying and as long as she knows your background and how you've been taught and the fact that you do have an American influence, as long as she knows that and knows there is a difference, in a way, it's fine for her to choose what she would like to do. Because there's no correct answer, right? I mean, I guess it's better to be consistent. It's better to not mix languages or have a mix of British English and American English. Just be conscious of the small differences and the small ideas of accents. I mean, I often find that when people are learning English, they find American English easier because they have had the influence when they've grown up. So therefore, it's more natural for them. She's doing more songs in Sesame Street. Maybe it's going to become more natural for her to be a bit more American. Mm. Do you have some other recommendations on Google Translate? I don't know if Google Translate... To me, it sounds more British, but... I think it is, British. isn't it? I mean, I think you do have an option maybe to click on it to listen to American English as well. I might be wrong, but I think there might be an option where you can say, listen again in American English. Things like stories would be good, I think, if you had audiobooks. Audiobooks mm. are a nice thing to do. You would definitely have kids' audiobooks, so she could potentially follow the book and then listen at the same time. And that can be a good way as well of seeing the differences between the accents, because obviously if you have a British author, then it's obviously read in British English. The whole book, you get an idea of how everything is pronounced. You do the same thing in American. And I don't think that's going to cause any problems. I think if anything, it will just give her a way of thinking about it and thinking, okay, well, there is some difference. What do I like about these differences? Do I want to adopt one rather than the other or or not you don't have to obviously adopt one or the other you're not always conscious about it as a non-native speaker though then again you would have to choose okay i have google translate and so how does that sound or sometimes it even happens that there are really differences and i'm trying to find a youtube video where they talk about a word a certain word that you are not sure of how to pronounce it for a non-native speaker it's sometimes difficult and you cannot always think about it I like your recommendation that you say you just choose your way and maybe you go along with that 
as well, you can show the differences. Usually at the stage that I'm right now, educating a child, as I said, doing more games and things, it's more important to have a short answer to the questions. That's the pronunciation and that's it. And as a non-native speaker, that's tough sometimes because you don't pronounce it properly, maybe. Then something like the existence of Google Translate, for instance, whatever that accent is now, at least it's something proper. That's it, though you can play it back, right? I think word reference is probably better for this. I think word reference okay. gives you different accents. I think you can even listen to it in Irish English or Australian English. Cool. I'm pretty sure you can do that. Check it out first. So that can be quite interesting. Because also as well, I think it's just making that relationship and that connection, isn't it? Because you could say to Maria, okay, yeah, your friends in Bologna speak this way. Paco's accent being from the Naples area, whether he's, does he have a distinctive accent now or not? No, not so much. It gives you an idea, though, of just differences in pronunciation, doesn't it? A way of explaining it in the sense that her family in Naples would have a different accent and things like that. Yes, in Italy, you have so many dialects and accents, so you get used to the concept of it. Absolutely, yes. Sure. Definitely, online resources really do help, and I think that's nice to do. It helps to do a bit of repetition yourself as well, I think, just to get an idea of what the differences are. I mean, I, I think you're obviously pretty good at that and you'd be able to hear the differences. But a lot of people who are non-native speakers often can't really tell the difference. We did a podcast the other day in a video where we were using things. His native accent is Australian. Australians can sometimes or quite often their accent is not particularly strong. Therefore, it doesn't sound hugely different from British English. Okay. But sometimes it can be quite strong and it can be quite different so there are subtle elements that are different and different phrases and different words that can be different too it is interesting just to have that different exposure and having that different exposure would help in understanding and differentiating and copying any kind of pronunciation i think mm -hmm. i would try word reference i didn't know that it had the audio option don't take my word for it but i'm pretty sure it does also word reference is evolving all the time they tend to add more and more things cool i will cool. check this out yes definitely it's been a real pleasure having you on the show dana it's been really cool and hopefully the listeners will have taken some ideas away from that i'm sure they will have done because i think we spoke about a few different things hopefully that will definitely help you with teaching one of your children to become more like a native speaker or just to speak English better as long as they're having fun that's the main thing really yes thank you so much John thanks for joining me and enjoy your cookies definitely um, don't eat them too quickly so, <laughs> with the tea because with, we have to with mix a small tea with a small tea <laughs> at five o'clock I have to resist <laughs> until five o'clock exactly it's going to be a long time thanks for joining us anyway and you've been listening to English with Monty If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave me a donation online via our website. Monty is a small independent company and I do all the editing myself. I would suggest £2.50 to buy me a coffee or £5 for a beer. MontyEnglish.co.uk Then just click on the podcast button at the top. You can donate here. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>